Hi, everyone, and welcome to the August 4th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. As a third-party observer, my guest today is here to set the table for the contract talks between Unifor and the Detroit 3. Those talks officially begin August 10th. And after weeks of talking with both sides, my guest is well prepared to tell us what each party wants, what it means to have Unifor and the UAW in the United States bargaining at the same time, and how the electric vehicle revolution could affect bargaining this year. All that and more when I speak with Automotive News Canada Toronto Bureau Chief and the man covering the talks for us, David Kennedy, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. David, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. Anytime. You know that. Let's start here with the nuts and bolts. When do these contracts expire and our GM workers at CAMI, which usually bargains on a different schedule, included this round? And finally, how many members are affected at these plants uh, when we're talking about the total uh, union membership? Right. Well, uh, in terms of contract expiry, uh, up here in Canada, contracts for all Unifor uh, members at uh, GM, Stellantis and Ford, uh, with the exception of Cami, which we can get to in a second, uh, expire on September 18th. Um, that's four days before uh, UAW contracts expire down in the U.S. Um, so obviously, we've got an interesting dynamic uh, being set up between the two unions uh, on both sides of the border this time. Um, and uh, as you mentioned with Cami, they, uh, the workers at Cami have always bargained at different uh, times than uh, those at other plants. Uh, it's kind of a legacy thing back from when Cami was set up as a Suzuki joint venture <laughs> with GM a, a, quite a couple decades ago. Um, so yeah, Cami will bargain next year. Uh, on a separate contract. Um, but other than that, uh, basically all uh, 20,000 members uh, of Unifor that are, uh, work at um, any of the big automakers, uh, Detroit 3 automakers, uh, will be have contracts up this year. So that, uh, that puts us at about 18,500 uh, minus the 1,500 that work at CAMI. You touched on it. You said up here in Canada, you mentioned the UAW. Unifor and the United Auto Workers in the United States are bargaining at the same time for the first time in in eons, it seems. What does that mean for the unions and the automakers? Right. I, I really think it's a wait and see. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody really has a clear sense of what it's going to mean. Um, it has been a long time. It was 1999 since this has happened. Uh, and obviously, uh, Unifor didn't exist back in 1999. Um, you know, we had the CAW up here, the UAW down south. Um, so I think the dynamic will be interesting. It, we'll, we'll see if it really matters. Um, as I as I said off the bat there, the, you know, the UAW contracts expire first. Um, Unifor's contracts expire four days after. Um, so, you know, there might be a little bit more pressure on the UAW to get some of these deals done faster uh, or they'll be on strike. Um, so it's uh, it, we'll see what happens. I think um, initially uh, there was some discussion with Unifor and the UAW about, you know, coordination, as they call it, um, to try to work together to put the screws to the employers. Uh, that doesn't seem to have materialized. Uh, you know, they, they basically the the word coordination has dropped off and it's been more, you know, um, uh, happy collaboration, so to speak, um, or, or conversations ongoing uh, across the border. But it doesn't seem like they're going to be working together necessarily, um, which, you know, uh, probably uh, may help the automakers. It may not. Uh, it, it's really it, we're going to have to wait and see. 
Well, that leads me right into my next question. What is the tone on each side of the border? I I think the UAW is, quote unquote, preparing for war. Um, Lana Payne, the head of Unifor, hasn't sounded that drastic yet. Can you contrast the two tones of the two unions on either side of the border? Yeah, well, you've got it right that, uh, you know, the new UAW president, Sean Fain, really has come out swinging, uh, it seems like, um, when it comes to these contract negotiations. He has described it as a war. He has basically said that, you know, we need to fight our one true enemy, the employer, um, to get our members what they need, which, you know, <laughs> as much as elevated as the rhetoric is, you know, it does at least uh, put put a tone to this that the UAW really is preparing to, uh, you know, fight for everything they can here. Uh, we haven't heard the same from Unifor. Um, Lana Payne uh, has been a little bit more measured, not to say that they she hasn't been pushing for, you know, what Unifor's priorities are in this, that it basically, you know, higher wages, pensions, uh, and a few other things we can get to later. But um, essentially, you know, the tone is different. Um, and I think, you know, she told me the other day that uh, it's just, it's a different union. They take a different approach. Um, and that's the way it's going to be. Uh, that, uh, you know, she appeared with Mark Stewart um, at the Brampton Assembly Plants, um, the COO of Stellantis in North America, I should say, um, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, it, it was a relatively chummy atmosphere, I would say, that, you know, it had, they had, uh, Mark Stewart and a couple other Stellantis leaders there, as well as, you know, the bargaining team for Unifor, <laughs> you know, so a little bit of pre-bargaining bargaining, I imagine, went on behind the scenes. And then, you know, they walked the floor together, held a shared press conference. Uh, we haven't seen that from the UAW. The UAW has uh, basically broke with tradition here. They're not shaking any hands ahead of time, uh, as is tradition. Unifor will be. Um, that's coming up uh, next week, August 10th. Um, and, you know, so it's just a it's a really different atmosphere that they're setting up. Um, and we'll see, you know, who's approach pays off. So that makes me ask this. You had mentioned the four-day difference between the expiration dates of the contracts on either side of the border. If UAW strikes immediately before the contracts expire in Canada, does Unifor use that to their advantage? Or do they join them four days later and also strike, do you think? And I'm asking you to speculate and just based on what you've heard, read, seen, and interviewed, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, the short answer is I don't know. My guess, my guess is that we won't see an immediate strike like that. That there'll be some, uh, you know, time will go by before this happens. But uh, it, it's really uncertain. I know, you know, certainly the speculation in the United States at the moment is that uh, Stellantis will be the initial target of these talks. Uh, whether or not that ends up being true is uh, still up for grabs. Um, but uh, particularly when it comes to Stellantis, there's some serious issues, um, particularly around the Belvedere plant. Uh, that was idled and, you know, is kind of on the chopping block here uh, that the UAW is really going to have to fight for. So we might see, you know, that the tensions, I would say, are a little bit higher in the U.S., particularly around that one plant for Stellantis, uh, whereas Canada, you know, there's things are a little bit more secure up here, more secure, certainly, than they have been in I don't know, 15, 20 years. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, we'll, I, I don't know uh, exactly what will happen uh, in terms of striking, but uh, it, it, the dynamic is certainly interesting. So we talked about the difference in tone. Is there a difference in needs and wants? Um, in short, what is Unifor looking for? What are their demands and are they different than uh, the UAW? Not drastically, I would say. You know, I think 
the ask this year from Unifor, uh, they sort of uh, highlighted three priorities ahead of time, and that's better wages, improved pensions, and uh, as short retooling times as they can possibly get from the automakers, uh, as a lot of the plants up here transition to EVs. Uh, as, as we know, a lot of these plants are poised to shut down uh, not too long from now uh, for retooling periods. Um, so Unifor is really going to be pushing to keep those timelines as short as possible to get to make sure workers, uh, you know, can continue earning uh, over as long a period of time as they can um, and keep the retooling times to, you know, six months, nine months, as short as they can, essentially. Um, and that's not going to change down south. You know, they're going to be pushing for the same things. Uh, we all know inflation has really taken a bite out of, uh, you know, workers' ability to spend over the last while. Uh, and I think that's really the rallying call here is that, you know, inflation has really hurt workers. Uh, profitability at these three automakers has arisen considerably over the past few years. As we all know, inventory uh, has been short and automakers have been able to make uh, a lot of money essentially just on the back of dropping a lot of the incentives that they would normally have had to offer at dealerships. So when it comes to it, I think, you know, workers just want their slice uh, and they see this uh, as a good opportunity to get it because, because of the profitability out there right now. We talked about the union's demands. You've covered comments uh, from the automakers and had conversations with the automakers leading up to these negotiations. And I know they're usually guarded and, and quote, don't bargain in the media, but are you getting a sense of what the automakers want and how they're approaching negotiations? A little bit, I would say. So it's and it's a little bit different for all the automakers, obviously, but uh, we're in very much of a different position than we normally have been uh, over the last few rounds of bargaining. As I said, uh, you know, the Canadian auto sector all of a sudden looks very secure, which has not been the case um, over the last few rounds, uh, you know, especially when you think back to the Oshawa GM plant closing. Um, uh, you know, and then reopening. Uh, we haven't seen this sort of confidence in the sector uh, in a really long time. So all of a sudden, you know, we have the Brampton and Windsor assembly plants that are entirely secure. Uh, you know, Brampton was on the cusp for a long time. We saw Ford uh, has recommitted to Oakville. GM is, you know, building trucks, very profitable trucks in Oshawa, just put in Bright Drop at Cami. Uh, and, you know, has recommitted to building EV motors in St. Catharines. So uh, all of these plants all of a sudden have, uh, if not product, uh, a very certain future. Um, so the one the one thing that uh, automakers or a few of the automakers haven't committed fully to is the product themselves yet. So in, in Oakville, you know, we know that they're going to EV. Ford hasn't come out and actually said what they're building, at least officially yet. Uh, same goes to for Stellantis in Brampton and Windsor. We don't really know exactly what's there yet. Um, so, so we don't have those bargaining chips quite in place because, uh, you know, obviously the union's going to be wanting a vehicle that they see longevity in. Yeah, it's it's funny because I was going to ask you about that bargaining chip. Product is usually the bargaining chip that the automakers hold. Um, and you mentioned it. We haven't really heard which vehicles specifically are going to be built in places like Oakville, Windsor, Brampton. But are you confident that a vehicle will be built or many vehicles will be built in those locations? Or could the automaker pull the rug out from the union and still use it as a bargaining chip? At this point, it doesn't seem possible at all that the plug gets pulled on any of these plants. Uh, you know, the, the money's been put in place. The government funding has been put in place. Uh, and it just it, it it's just not feasible at this point. Um, but 
I think there is probably some flexibility in what those vehicles can be. And as I said, you know, Unifor is going to be vying for vehicles that they see a long-term future. Nobody wants a car that's built for two years, doesn't sell, and, you know, you end up two years later without a product, right? So um, that's going to be, I think, part of it. Uh, the other aspect for, that you get a sense of from the automakers that, uh, you know, they're going to want is uh, a lot of this electrification is expensive. Um, and, you know, I think as much as Unifor is going to be pushing for higher wages, uh, the automakers are going to be pushing back on that front at least a bit. Uh, obviously, everybody seems uh, or all the automakers seem to recognize that uh life has got more expensive over the last few years and they're going to recognize their members uh, and pay them a bit, bit more. But at the same time, uh, auto wages remain decent in Canada, right? Like, or, or above, you know, what normal workers make uh, for comparable work in manufacturing anyway. Uh, most, most workers at the Detroit three in Canada start around $24 an hour uh, and top out at uh, 37 or so. Uh, so, you know, that's that's something that the employers can point to and say, you know, look how much better these wages are than what would be comparable in other sectors in manufacturing. Uh, so it, it's one of those things that I think there's going to be some give and take, um, but uh, the employers are going to be pushing back. We know contract talks officially start August 10th. Um, they'll be the handshake like you mentioned, but typically Unifor picks a target automaker to set what's called the pattern bargaining uh, for the other two contracts. So they bargain with one automaker and then they just take that template and go to the other two. Do we know yet or have a sense yet which automaker Unifor will bargain with first? I know you mentioned Stellantis maybe in the United States. Is it the same over here? Do we know who Unifor is targeting? You know, I haven't got a good sense of that yet um, from Unifor at all. Um, I obviously mentioned Stellantis in the U.S., and I wouldn't be surprised to see it go to Stellantis up here as well, um, especially when you see that uh, that Mark Stewart visit to Brampton with Lana Payne and the leadership team sort of having a pre-bargaining chat. Uh, you know, maybe there, there was some indication there that they're going to talk to Stellantis first uh, and sort of line up with the UAW down in the U.S., uh, but I haven't, nobody's actually come out and said that uh, at this point. So, uh, you know, uh, your guess is kind of as good as mine on that front that I, I, I just, uh, they haven't been uh, showing their hand on that one yet. I've been wrong the last two contract negotiations, so it's pointless to even ask me because I've picked the wrong one. And it's a one in three chance that I'm 0 for 2 in the last two. So, yeah, it is a difficult task. Is there anything else that we need to know? Is there anything else that you're keeping your eye on or that maybe our listeners um, aren't familiar with or should be familiar with in terms of heading into these contract talks? The only thing I would probably add is just the the dynamic has shifted since uh, sort of from the status quo that we've seen over the last while. Uh, obviously, up here in Canada, you know, Jerry Dias was at the head of the union for years and years and years. Um, there was a, you know, he was seen as an experienced negotiator. Uh, same thing down in the U.S., that uh, the team was there um, and had been there for quite a long time, at least, uh, you know, on the leadership level at the UAW uh, that has more or less been cleared out at this point. Um, so the dynamic's going to be different with uh, two leaders, uh, who haven't been there before. Uh, Lana Payne, as we know, uh, doesn't come from the auto sector. Um, and Sean Fain down in the U.S. obviously has a much different approach to it uh, than we've seen uh, from the UAW in recent years. So I would just uh, look out for some changes, I guess I would say, uh, that we, we might see a little bit of a different approach here uh, to bargaining than we've seen in the past. 
David, you're doing a wonderful job covering this for our listeners. We have your latest piece that breaks down all the automakers on our website, automotivenews.ca. You mentioned Jerry Diaz. There's also um, a commentary piece by the former Unifor president on our website as well. So all the coverage is there. You're doing a terrific job. Thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Thanks a lot for having me, Greg. I'd like to thank David for being my guest this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.